This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Coming up on today's future award-winning Talk About Flow podcast, I'm going to be joined by former Buffalo Bills first-round draft pick 1993, Thomas Smith. Thomas Smith had a great career with Buffalo. We're going to talk about that, his life, his journey to getting with the Bills, all kinds of fun stuff coming up with my man, Thomas Smith. I'm going to have that for you in just a minute. But before we get going into today's show, I need to let you know that today's episode is being presented by our friends over at 26 Shirts. So at 26 Shirts, a different Buffalo theme designed is sold every two weeks. They have a campaign. They sell the shirt for every two weeks and then it's gone. And here's the best part about what they do for every single shirt that they sell. Every shirt, a donation is made to that specific campaign each and every single time. Since they started up in 2013, their designs, their shirts, their products have managed to raise and they've donated nearly a million dollars. Absolutely insane. Well over 900 grand already. Well on the way to a million. Del Reed, that crew, they do such an amazing job. They enrich the lives of so many people. It is awesome to see. And not to mention, these are really outstanding looking design shirts. They look smooth. They're comfortable, sporty to wear. I have a bunch of them myself. I'm sure many of you do as well. Head on over to 26shirts.com. And see what cause needs you this week. And on that note, let's do it. See, you know when I walk out here, you are looking at what we have come to know as championship material. All right, what's going on, everyone? How you doing? Welcome, episode 275, future award-winning Talk About Flow podcast, presented today by our friends over at 26 Shirts. Coming up on today's episode, I'm going to be talking to former Buffalo Bills first rounder, a guy who spent seven very good years with the team, a guy I'm sure most Bills fans don't hear from often, Thomas Smith. Thomas Smith was a first round pick all the way back in 1993. He was a rookie of the year. The Bills went on to their fourth and final Super Bowl. I talked to Thomas today about his entire journey to Buffalo from growing up around a farm in North Carolina. We talk about his childhood, when he first became interested in playing football. Uh, His cousin, a former NBA great, Sam Perkins. Uh, Thomas talks about meeting Michael Jordan well before MJ would go on to become the greatest of all time. We talk about him playing football in high school, not being really recruited much at all. In fact... Thomas didn't even go to UNC, University of North Carolina, on a scholarship. He was a walk-on. But by the time he left, he had transformed himself into a future NFL first-round draft pick. We talk about the draft, uh, the process for him back in 1993, who he thought was going to draft him right before the Bills did, his reaction when Hall of Fame coach Marv Levy called to tell him that you were the pick, his initial thoughts on going to Buffalo, what he knew about the organization, the city before that. Uh, We talk about him playing in the Super Bowl as a rookie, becoming a starter in year two and a quality cornerback in the NFL over the next several years. Uh, The ups and downs of the team after the Super Bowl run was over. The Music City Miracle, which still bothers him to this day, was his final game in Buffalo. Uh, I asked him if he thinks Doug Flutie should have started that game. Pretty honest answer from him there. Uh, I talk about his reaction to learning the day that Thurman Thomas, Bruce Smith, Andre Reed all got cut on the same day 
a day that lives in Buffalo Bills infamy. I asked him why he signed with the Chicago Bears in 2000, what ultimately led to his retiring. So much more, including the fun fact finale, which I always do when I have a guest on for the first time. It was a lot of fun. And by the way, I am going to tease one part of that. Thomas tells a story about Daryl Talley that's just absolutely hilarious. You got to hear this story. But anyway, I reached out to Thomas because I was a big fan of his back in the 90s. I remember him very well. I thought he was always one of the more underrated quarterbacks in the NFL in his day. I really do. Nice guy. Very candid. Very honest with his comments, which I thought made for a really good interview. Also, I know there's a lot of younger people out there who listen to this podcast or just Bill's podcast stuff in general. And some younger Bills fans, at least, may not know much, if anything at all, about Thomas Smith. So that excites me as well. And I've been blessed to have on several former Buffalo Bills players on this podcast before. Uh, guys ranging from Don Beebe to Will Wolford, Steve Christie's been on, uh, John Fina, Craig Urbic, Eric Wood, among others. And I just, I love getting a chance to learn more about the journeys of these guys and catching up with them. Again, I was a big fan of these guys and not going to waste any more time here. So on that note, let's jump into it right now. Here it is, my chat with former Buffalo Bills cornerback, Thomas Smith. All right, my guest today is a former first round draft pick of the Buffalo Bills, the 28th overall pick back in 1993. Played nine seasons in the NFL, including seven with Buffalo. Easily one of the league's most underrated corners during his prime. A great player with the Bills coming off those Super Bowl runs. I am talking about Thomas Smith. What's going on, Thomas? How you doing? Hey, how's it going? I'm doing well. I'm very excited to have you on the podcast, man. I kind of went hunting for you. I found you on Twitter. I said, oh, shit, Thomas Smith. I said, I got to get this guy on this podcast. It's been a while. uh, (laughs) You know, it's just a... It's an opportunity, like with other former players that I've had on this podcast, sports media people, news people, and such. It's just, it's an opportunity for fans, young and new, to get to know a little more about you, man, besides just some of what you did on the field, which, by the way, I mean, you did a lot of good stuff in Buffalo. Let me ask you this, and then we'll kind of circle back to the beginning of your your life and your career and stuff. But to this day, I mean, it's been many, many years since you played, not to make you feel old or anything, but you still have those fond memories of, being and playing in Buffalo? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you never forget those, uh, you know, those those days, man. That was every, you know, child's dream to play in the NFL or anyone that went, that was playing, you know, high school or college football to play. So, yeah, I love Buffalo, man. I still follow Buffalo today. And I'm in every city that I live in, there's always a Bills backers club. So I'm always participating. <laughs> For sure. Now, before you got to Buffalo, well before that, you were born in North Carolina, Gates, North Carolina. Talk about growing up a little bit there. Like, what was life like for a very young Thomas Smith? What were some of the things that you were into and enjoyed as a kid? I'm sure besides football, of course, too. I mean, it wasn't much to it. Um, You know, grew up in North Carolina, northeastern North Carolina, so it's pretty much, um, you know, farm country. So just grew up being a farm boy and driving tractors and stuff like that. So that's the reason I I played uh, sports to get out of some of the chores of uh, <laughs> being on the farm. So, <laughs> so that's pretty much it. I mean, it wasn't much to it. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I read that your father was a welder and your, your mom was a bus driver. And like you were yeah. just talking about farming was a very big part of, of your youth as well. You kind of play football to get out of doing at least some of that stuff, but yeah, I, absolutely. I, we all have, not we, because I didn't play in the NFL, you did, but, you know, I talked to a lot of people who did, and everyone has different paths to get to where they go, different childhoods, and for yours, farming is kind of rare for NFL players anyway, you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, I think I think it's a lot of people, I, think, I don't know, I think it's, I've, I mean, during my generation, there was a lot of people that grew up, you know, you got people in Nebraska and South Dakota and all over the South, so, I mean, um yeah, I don't think it's that rare. I don't think it's that rare. But, All right. now, you have you have <laughs> you have famous family ties too. Uh I read that Sam Perkins was your cousin. Of course, Sam Perkins, a UNC hoops legend, played eighteen years in the NBA. I remember him very well. Very uh I think it was a top five pick, top four pick by Dallas Mavericks originally back in the 
in the mid eighties, what was life like having a, a pro sports, you know, family member to look up to? Was that helpful for you as a kid? Um, not really. Uh, I mean, he stayed in New York. I was in North Carolina and, um, I didn't really, um, we didn't get to see each other for doing family reunions and stuff. So his grandmother and my grandmother were twin sisters. So, but I knew of him and, um, uh, I did visit him a couple of times at UNC and I remember, uh, um, his senior year, he played a game back in the day. It was the ACC against the CIAA and they had a, um, seniors game and we got tickets to that in Norfolk, Virginia. And uh, that was the first time I seen him since he was playing in college. And then uh, we stayed in touch when I made it to college and uh, saw him a couple of times at basketball camp and stuff like that. So, yeah, so it was fun. I mean, I met Michael Jordan before he was Michael Jordan. And uh, <laughs> what, was that, was what was that like? Me and Michael I Jordan? Just met, I just said hello to him. That was it. Um, my cousin, Because my cousin was a senior. I think he was a freshman or sophomore after that. So, yeah. Uh, it was just, you know, I just saw him before he became Michael Jordan, so that was it. <laughs> yeah. When did you first start playing football? Do you remember how old you were when you, like, started playing, like, youth little loop football? Yeah, I was in uh, junior high. Oh, really? So you, you didn't start too young then? No, they didn't have Pop Warner when I was growing up. Oh, okay. And you played your high school football at Gates County High School. What was life for you back in, in high school? Like, when you played football, were you uh, – did you know pretty early on that you were one of the better players? Like, were you a star player early on, or did it kind of take you some time to uh, develop into a high school star player? Um, I don't know. I mean, I was one of the best players on the team, no doubt. Uh, but, you know, the league that we came from, we didn't do a lot of passing. So um, I was more known as my tackling and offensive uh, prowess than defense. So I really didn't play much defense in high school because – you know, we just it wasn't passing. Most more stuff was running, so it was more uh, running, running oriented attack. And uh, so we just, we just. I, was, I mean, I was definitely one of the best players. It was just, it's just, I just had this hunger that I wanted to keep playing, and um, I was in the right place at the right time and applied at the right school. So you know, it was just great timing on my part to uh, to continue to want to play football. Yeah, I, I was. I mean, I, was, I mean, we had a lot of good players a lot of good players on the team. I was definitely one of the uh, one of the better players. But I think we had one guy went to um, North Carolina Central, but he didn't. He didn't. Uh, I mean, he was really good too. He was a good basketball and football as well as I was. As as I was, and um, yeah, he didn't last. I think he flunked out or something like that. And um, you know, we didn't get many scholarships. That no scholarships. That I think I, I think Elizabeth City State. And Appalachian State had some interest in me. And um, I did visit Appalachian State. Um, and Sparky Woods was a the coach then. So I remember seeing him when he was playing against, when he was playing against the Jets. He didn't give me a scholarship. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was the head coach at Appalachian State. And then I didn't want to go to Elizabeth City State. It was just too close to home. It was just like, 45 minutes. I wanted to kind of get away. <laughs> Being a little rebellious. I like, yeah, I got to, I got at least be a couple hours away. So, you know, they can't just drop in on me. So yeah, well, needed. <laughs> <laughs> well, as you know, it's funny because again, you know, first round, well, any round draft picks, especially first future, first round NFL draft picks kind of have different paths to getting there. And a lot of them are blue chippers who are highly recruited. And you just talked about like, you were recruited too much out of high school. You ended up going to university in North Carolina, but I read that it was initially, at least anyway, it was on an academic scholarship, correct? Not football. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, um, you know, I had parents that was pretty strict on making sure that we got that grades and uh, making sure that, you know, we did everything that was right in school. So, um, you know, one of the things that was, that came pretty easy was my grades and, uh, yeah, I finished like, um, fifth in my class, like 125 so it was like a small class but still you know i finished fifth in the class and they had this um scholarship for i think the top i think it was the top five or top eight top seven something like that they get first year of school paid for and then um it can renew up to two years you know so if you keep a certain average and stuff so but i had i had different plans in mind like man you know i really want to play football for some reason i'm telling you for some reason you know, we, we had a running attack. I mean, we was running, 
we passed a little bit, but most of the time it was running. I, mean, I got all conference for a running back. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I was all conference running back. You know, I got I got to meet um Dr. J. He was at the um he was at the ceremony. He was on the keynote speaker and it was at Elizabeth City State University and uh, you know, I was all conference. I was all Abermall, I was all everything in that area. And uh, that was for running back, so you know. <laughs> yeah. And not for defensive back, you know what I'm saying? But I played quarterback, running back, and wide receiver. I did on, on defense. I played um, – because I was a skinny kid, but, I, you know, I played, um, you know, defensive back. But, you know, I, I was known for hitting, so I like to hit. So, How hard was it to walk on to a – well, a D1 program? I mean, it's you know, it's one thing to, to not get a scholarship and go walk on and be, become a good player at a, you know, a junior college, which – that in itself could be difficult, but to do it at a, you know, at a, at a bigger school, how how difficult was that? Because, you know, a lot of these kids that are getting the football scholarship, I'm going to assume, you know, that those are the coaches the kids want, whereas walk-on, you know, they have no, at least no financial obligation to you anyway. And I'm sure you got to had a lot more to prove than maybe some of the other kids. Was it difficult for you? No, actually it wasn't. Uh, <laughs> you know, when I, I, I don't for some reason, I just wanted to go to North Carolina. You know, my cousin went to North Carolina. I wanted to go to North Carolina. Mm-hmm. I had grades to get into North Carolina. So I was like, hey, I'm going to North Carolina. <laughs> you know, I didn't, I didn't even think about, you know, whether it was going to be tough, what what the odds were. I just know I wanted to play football. I was just going to be happy to be on the team, basically. That's that's my mindset. So I didn't go in, there, I didn't go in with any expectations. I just went like, you know, I'm athletic. I can run. Um, you know, I'm a skinny kid and, you know, I went there. I um, that summer before I uh, went, you know, they sent me a because um, I had wrote a letter. They said, like, "Well, you can walk on," and um, I was like, "Okay." They sent me a uh, workout book, and I started lifting weights for the first time. And uh, I didn't lift weights in high school or anything, so you know, just pretty much just raw talent. And I started lifting weights and I bulked up a little bit, but uh, you know, I got there and. You know, it was, I'm telling you, I, I don't know what it was. I, I wasn't intimidated. I was focused. Um, and uh, I got there. I did excellent in the running test. I think I caught everybody's attention on the running test because, you know, we had to do a running test when we first got there. And then, um, you know, once practice started, you know, I was just on the sideline for a while. And um, I think this coach said, um, I guess they wanted to see me go in. And uh, I remember going in and I started making plays. And uh, and then I, I moved up the depth chart and uh, I was like, yo. Did you want to play offense go. originally, Thomas? Like when you no, first no, got there? No, I was going to play defense. No, oh. my focus was on defense. I, I was defense. So, um, yeah, I just started making plays. And next thing you know, I was moving up the depth chart. And uh, next thing you know, <laughs> I was – at the top of the depth chart. <laughs> so, I, mean, I was just making plays. I was just going off raw instincts and uh, going off, you know, of course, you know, playing the scheme of the defense, but just raw instincts, you know, not just raw instincts. And it was, I never, I don't know, I just, I just didn't have a mindset of, I wasn't worried. I wasn't intimidated. I wasn't thinking, yeah, this is too much or anything. I was just like, I just felt like this is where I belong, and and that's, and I, that's how I treated it. Right. So, so and it worked. And I got a scholarship in two weeks. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so your freshman year, the team goes one in ten, but yeah, two years later, uh, North Carolina, you guys win seven games, and now you're a bowl team. Like, what what does that mean to you to be a significant part of a program transformation? It's one thing to go just be another player on a team that's you know perennially good. But I, I don't know. It feels to me anyway. I, I, I think I might have a little more extra pride in going to a team that really struggled, at least record-wise. Again, just one in ten. But in two years later, you guys are a good, legit team and a bowl team. What did that mean to you to be part of that, you know, program transformation? Oh, I mean, as I look back at it now, it was. I mean, it was awesome. Um, at the time, you know, we had some really good players. Um, of course, the coach they had just had. I think Mac. This was Mac's second year, so he had just took over. After Dick Crum, and um, you know, it takes a while to you know build the program. Once you, you know, once you take over, you got to get your, as Bill Parcells would say, you know, you got to. If you want me to cook, I got to be able to buy the groceries. So you know, right. uh, Matt 
you know, he's an awesome recruiter. And as you can see now with the program, he's, he's taken back over the program again and they're doing very well. So I think they got as high as number eight this year. So he's, I mean, he's getting recruits. So he's a master recruiter. And, um, you know, even though I was, he didn't recruit me, you know, he gave me a scholarship. He gave me an opportunity. He gave me a chance. And, um, you know, and we had some very good players. I mean, we worked hard. We worked hard. We had a good strength coach. We had a good program. And, uh, and we had some guys that really worked, man. We had some really talented people. And even though that freshman year we went 1-10, we was in a lot of ball games. I mean, we was in a lot of ball games, and um, it was just a matter of time till it all clicked and everybody come together. So, uh, yeah, and we knew it, and we knew it in the locker room. You just know it, that it's going to come together, and um, and that's what it did. Yeah. Now, after college, leading up to the NFL draft, what was that offseason draft process like for you leading up to the draft? Were you at the combine in Indy? Yeah, I went to the combine. I had. Um, my junior year, um, yeah, I was, you know, I was glad to start. Let me just kind of backtrack. I was glad to start, glad to be a part of the team. I was starting, playing well. You know, I just had a pick six my junior year. Um, you know, I had a lot of stuff going on. I made all ACC. And um, I really wasn't really thinking about the NFL. But, again, it was just one of those things like, you know, it happened. And, um I was my junior year. I was like, I started getting all these um, reports, you know, Bledsoe report and uh, these rankings and, you know, these all season rankings about, you know, cornerbacks, college cornerbacks. And I was in these rankings. I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay, okay. I might, might be on to something. But, you know, I, again, I was like, okay, let me focus. I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm just, I'm, you know, I'm still elated from, you know, being a walk-on to now, you know, right. so I'm still like living the dream, right? You know, I did this thing. I'm, I'm a big man on campus and my, in my hometown and you know, everybody's like, you know, I'm, I'm big now. I'm, I'm getting put on like 20 pounds of muscle. I was a kid. I was 160, 150. Now I'm 185, 190. I mean, I'm solid and I'm just having fun. You know, school's going well. I'm having fun being around the guys and then I get all these these grades on these all season reports. You know, going to my senior year, I'm starting. I'm I'm projected to be you know, you know, all American, all this, all that. And then I break my arm my senior year. You know, what I'm saying I didn't even play but three games my senior year. So oh wow, yeah. So I was breaking up a pass, and my safety came in and hit me right in my arm with oh. his helmet and broke my ulna, my ulna bone, which is that long bone right before the elbow. And I, I, you know, I, I missed the rest of the season. So I did go to the combine. I didn't run, but I was able to do the vertical jump and a couple other drills. But I think I had the record in vertical jump at that time. I think it was 41. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, I participated, participated in the combine, but not all the different drills and stuff. So When did you but know? They did come, I, was, huh? I didn't mean to cut you off. I was going to ask you, when did you know for sure that you had, that maybe you didn't know for sure, but you knew you had at least a real shot at being a first round draft pick. No, you didn't know. I mean, they, the great, uh, what the coach was saying, because Mac was trying to redshirt me. And, but we was like, okay, let's find out what's going on and, you know, what my draft status is. And they said anywhere from one to three. So he didn't know. Um, he didn't know until um, after the combine. You know, I, I tested pretty well in, in all this stuff, except for Clyde wasn't able to run. So, you know, but I was catching people's attention with a vertical jump and broad jump and all those different stuff. And then they came out to the campus for pro day and I was able to run then and, you know, I ran fast, you know, four three nine, four four. And then pro day, you know, so you know, doing I was moving up the draft board. So um how the process worked, I, I don't know, but you know, I just know that I was I was doing everything that needed to be done and um just having fun in the process and uh, you know. Things work out again. I'm in the right place at the right time. Not to make you feel old, buddy, but you know, <laughs> you came out before like the internet was a big thing and where mock yeah. drafts mock yeah. drafts are all the rage. Like if Thomas Smith was coming out in twenty nineteen, you could have read a billion mock drafts from experts, from wannabe experts, whatever you want to call them. 
When you yeah. were coming out, were like mock drafts a, a, a pretty big thing or no? I don't remember. I, I really didn't pay attention to that. You know, I was just focused on the workouts, making sure I did what I had. I don't, I don't know what the what the mock draft. No, I didn't really pay attention to that. You know, yeah. you know, I'm worrying about um, exams and getting the getting the class <laughs> and getting the practice. I didn't really pay attention to that stuff. I mean, I was just like, just glad to have an opportunity. And um, I know it was a lot of DBs coming out that year, but and it was a lot of DBs coming out that year. It was me and. Tom Carter and Ryan McNeil and uh, what's the other guy? Uh, Dion Figures and uh, one more guy. It was like tough. It was like four of us. I think Dar- Darian Gordon was a first round pick too that year. Uh, Darian, from- yeah, he was later. I, I don't Darian Gordon. I don't think he was in my. Yeah, I think he was in my class. Yeah, yeah, yeah he was in my class. And Carlton Gray. Yeah, it was us. It was yeah, the yep. Top corners, yep, yep. That that's it. Yeah, now, those are the top five corners. So I think uh, who went first? I think Deion Figures went first, and then to Pittsburgh, and then Tom went to Washington and did me. Yeah. So let me ask you this now. So you grew up in North Carolina. You walk on to North Carolina. You wanted to go to UNC, willing to walk on to do it. Yeah. So that's where you had spent, and you know, except for the college football road trip to whatever game, it's pretty much where you had spent your life at that point prior to the draft. What did you know about Buffalo in terms of the organization and football wise, but also like, did you know anything about the area of Buffalo itself? What's the matter? No, I didn't know anything. Yeah, I didn't know anything. I thought I was going to San Francisco. So I know they flew me out before the draft. I only went to three teams before the draft. I think I went to uh, San Diego, San Francisco, and Washington. So I didn't, I didn't know anything about Buffalo. So, um, hmm. I just I figured it would be going to Washington or San Francisco. I thought for sure I was going to San Francisco, and uh, I think they took Dana Stubberfield. Yeah, they were. Uh, yeah, so they took Dana, and then I was like, "Oh shoot!" <laughs> I knew nothing about Buffalo until I got the phone call, and uh, Marv Levy was on the phone, and John Butler, and uh, I was like, "Whoa, Buffalo!" Okay. <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna ask you that because yeah, I'm looking now at, at back at that draft. Frisco actually had back to back picks. Right before Buffalo, they took Dana Stubblefield, and Todd three, Kelly. Uh, yeah, and then Todd Kelly. Yeah. So you had no, I you had no idea that you were going to end up in Buffalo until the phone rings yeah. and it's Marv Levy. You didn't have any yeah. real inclination of that. What were your original thoughts? Because, you know, forget the the city, but just from a football perspective, you so you get that call after Frisco picks twice, and you're going to a team that had been to, at that time three straight Super Bowls with the Buffalo Bills. Like, what were your first thoughts? Oh, my first initial thoughts was just elation, you know. <laughs> hey, that's, I don't care who I was going to. That's one an opportunity. And uh, man, I was just glad to be selected. And then to be selected in the first round, I'm like, man, that's, that's, this is a nice journey, you know. Go sure. from walk on to first round. That's basically all I thought about. <laughs> yeah, you should. I get, some, I get to get some cars. I get to take care of my mom. I get to have some fun. Well, fine now. This is going to be exciting. <laughs> but that was just my mindset at the time. Like, wow, this is this is happening, you know? Yeah. This so, is happening, so, so now you go to your. Then after that, but then after that, then I started thinking about, okay, let me check out this team, and you know, it was ha- so happened that um, you know, I had just watched him in the Super Bowl, so you know, <laughs> against the Cowboys in L.A. So yeah, I remember reading about that and Darren Talley and and. Him and the bodyguards and Thurman and all that. I was like, oh man, they got superstars. There they are. So I was good. That was going to ask you next. Yeah. Like, what was your so you so again? You go from walk on. We keep saying it because it's exactly what happened. You go from walk on to NFL first round draft pick. Not a lot of people can ever say that. What was like your first training camp like? Because again, you played against a lot of good players in college, but now you're sharing a locker room as a rookie, and not just a locker room, but the field, and you're competing with or against that practice guys like. Jim Kelly and Bruce Smith and Andre Reed and Thurman Thomas, all future NFL Hall of Famers, not to mention people like Daryl Talley and Ken Hall and Cornelius Bennett. I mean, God, I could keep going here. Was that a little bit overwhelming for you at first? Now, I get a sense because just from talking to you for the last half hour or so that you just take things head on and, you know, you don't get intimidated about. So I'm not asking you so much if you were intimidated, but was it a little bit overwhelming at least at first to be, you know, in a rookie NFL training camp on the field with like this level of talent. No, it wasn't intimidating at all. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it 
No, I mean, it wasn't. I mean, it was definitely, um, it was definitely, I would say, um, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, I was a little reserved because I understood how, how uh, you know, your approach as a rookie, you know, it doesn't matter where you was drafted, it matters what you do on that field. So I had to make sure that I was staying focused and, um, you know, I competed, you know, making sure that I, you know, studied and competed hard and, and practiced every day. Cause you know, like you said, we're going against Jim Kelly and Andre Reed and a year Russell Copeland was drafted. They had Don Beebe, they had Steve Taskill. He wasn't playing much receiver at that point, but you know, they had uh, Bill Brooks and, it's a lot of different receivers, so there's a lot of rookies that year. And then Nate Odoms was there, and um, and uh, the Williams guy. What's the Williams guy now? J- JD James Williams. JD, JD Williams was there, so I was just more learning mode, and uh, just you know taking it all in. And uh, you know I belong there, and uh, I mean, that was my mindset. You know, even from college to pros, hey, just the next step. I belong. I got drafted. The reason I got drafted, let's make it happen, you know? Yeah. No, <laughs> and that was it. That was my mindset, you know, just make it happen. I mean, it was a little more – I was a little more um, aware than I was, you know, coming into Chapel Hill. But, you know, as far as, um, you know, intimidation or any kind of fact, fear factor. Right. And, and you're also, you know, as opposed to coming into UNC, you're also older and more mature yeah, at, that yeah. point, at that point yeah. as well. Now, you start yeah. out as a rookie mainly on special teams. You're behind – Nate yeah. and, and James Williams. Nate was one of the league's better corners at that time. And after that yeah. year, he, he left for Seattle. He, he got paid well, man. I'm just unfortunate for him. Injuries derailed the rest of his career after that. But anyway, I w- I'm going to assume, you know, having a guy like Nate in front of you to begin with, you, you kind of learned a lot from him. Like I said, at that time, because I remember it pretty well, too, Nate was one of the, definitely one of the better corners in the entire NFL. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's what I'm saying. That when I came in, you know, it was more of a learning you know, learning what they do, learning what they scheme, um, learning, you know, how to play the game, you know, how to be a professional. And I definitely learned from uh, from Nate and J.D. and Kelso and Henry Jones and uh, well, some of the older guys there, Mickey Washington and uh, so Kurt Schultz. So, yeah, yeah, we definitely, um, you know, learned a lot from them guys and uh, – and how to play the game and how to play the scheme under, you know, Coach Roach. And um, I forgot who the defensive coordinator was at that time. But, uh, yeah, so it was a learning. It was, it was more learning than, you know, I, you know, I played on nickel. So I did come in on third down on nickel. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think I played pretty well, especially um, during the playoffs. I had a couple good pass breakups. But uh, it was a learning experience. It was mostly special teams and getting adjusted. Probably the biggest thing I had to get adjusted to was the cold weather. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was so cold, man. That first playoff game, man, against the Raiders, man, minus 15 degrees. It was so cold. Let me ask you this, okay, because I grew up and spent almost all my life in Buffalo. And currently, at least at this time, I've been in Florida for a couple of years, all right? And I've learned this, and I'm sure you're probably going to agree with this. You could spend 100 years living in Buffalo. When it's cold, it's cold. All right, I don't have people say they get used. You don't get used to being that cold. Just like down here in Florida, in the in the heat of the summer in July and August, you never get used to ninety seven degrees with crazy humidity. You never get used to freezing your ass off in Buffalo. You kind of North Carolina's got pretty good weather. Like I've heard a lot of people, and you could attest this because again, you're born and raised in in the state. That's a good place to live because of weather, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. North Carolina has you know definitely has all four seasons and. Um... Definitely a good a good place to live. Um, I mean, I'm currently in Florida now. I love Florida, and uh, I love the the summer. Uh, it didn't bother me. I, I'd rather be in severe humidity and hot than cold. Trust me, minus <laughs> fifteen degrees. Would, what what area in Florida are you? I'm in South Florida. I'm in Fort Lauderdale. Oh, okay. I'm, well, I'm on the other side of the state. I'm closer to uh to Tampa. I don't agree with that. I'd rather be cold oh, okay. than hot. I can't get. I can't get used. You rather to be cold than hot. Yeah, man, I, I take, can't get used. I would to take hot weather any day. <laughs> I love it down here, man. I love it down. Here. So, love it down. Uh, so let me circle back here. I don't want to get too far off this path. So, right. <laughs> one year, you're you're finishing up your college football career. You're at North Carolina. You're getting ready for the draft. Getting ready to go to the combine. You're thinking about your future. 
and stuff like that. But you're still a college kid getting ready for the pros. Literally, one year later, you're in the Georgia Dome in Atlanta playing in Super Bowl 28. Like, what's that feeling like just in one year to go from, again, being a college football player who's season ended and getting ready, and now you're, like, literally in your first year. Guys playing their entire career and never get to a Super Bowl. Great players. You're a rookie, and you're playing in your Super Bowl. I mean, again, that was just another awesome experience. Um, Man, it was so awesome just going through the season and winning, uh, playing with that group of guys, uh, and then getting into the playoffs and turning it up a notch and winning. I mean, it was just so much fun, man. It was just, like, awesome. And the Bills fans, oh, my gosh. I see why people, you know, the Bills fans are beloved because, man, they are awesome, man. They, I mean, it was just, you know, 60,000, 70,000. No matter how cold it was, they loved the Bills. They loved – I mean, we got treated very well in the city and throughout, and it was just a great time. So it was just a very eye-opening experience for me because it was just like, wow, I can get used to this, man. I love this, man. You know, <laughs> the cheering of the crowd and just the love, the city of Buffalo and – and just love the Bills and uh, and love winning. So, yeah, um, they do. Yeah, so it, it was great. It was it was absolutely great. I mean, it was it was truly amazing to experience that and uh, to get to the Super Bowl. That was uh, in my first year. That was uh, I couldn't have wrote a better a better story except for the ending. You know. <laughs> yeah, you know when you when you were when you were talking about it, it was driving me nuts because guys like you you play for so many coordinators and positional coaches and head coaches throughout your life, high school, college, the NFL and stuff. The the coordinator, Walt Corey was yeah, in 1993, Corey, the Bills coordinator. So yeah. you, you lose the Super Bowl to Dallas. It's the fourth straight year the Bills go to the Super Bowl. Next year, you, you become, you're a full-time starter at this point. The team, yeah. as a team, the organization, for finally, they, they couldn't answer the bell that year. Again, four historic runs. Um, the Buffalo only goes 6-10 and 10 that year. How difficult was that? for you, but also just for the entire organization. Because, again, there was a standard of excellence for like six, seven years where this team was pretty much, if not in the Super Bowl, they were in the mix for it every year. Sooner or later, you know, bad luck's going to come your way. It's just the way it is in life. And that kind of happened to the the Bills that year. Was, was that a difficult year for you? Well, I don't think it was a difficult year. I just think it was kind of a disappointing year. Um, you know, Buffalo's used to winning and um... – you know, for some reason or another, we we weren't winning, and um, it was just disappointing. Um, again, I I don't know what I'm trying to get back to that year, what the reason was or what happened, but um, I can't kind of put my finger on it. Um, but it was just disappointing. It was just disappointing, you know, especially coming out the Super. I don't know if it was just people was just exhausted, you know, what I'm saying from um, you know four trips to the Super Bowl and playoffs and having late years and just probably just a hangover from being exhausted from four years. So that yeah. could have been it. Yeah. I, 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 um, I mean, cause you know, most of the stars were still there, you know, Thurman and Jim and Bruce and Daryl and Cornelius and Andre and, you know, a lot of older guys were still there, but it was getting older and, you know, it could have just been the hangover from that or people were just exhausted. You know, I don't know. So yeah, it's got to weigh on you at some point. I'm looking back at that 94 year, Guys lost your last three, four, four of your last five. You were at seven and six, and then uh, you know, the, the dropped the last three, and two of them were by one was by only by four points, and one was by one. So yeah, that's a lot to do with it. But anyway, that you know, that's one year. Uh, yeah. The Bills do bounce back. You make the playoffs for the next five years. You yeah. have become at this point, you have become a corner piece of that secondary and of that defense, and you play with some different corners. And I remember Jeff Burris very well. Ken Irvin. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. so, you know, you have some good years again, playoffs four times in uh, five years. And then in 1996, you hit free agency and ultimately, obviously you resigned with Buffalo, got yourself a nice deal. Um, did you seriously at that time explore going to another team? Were there other teams that you strongly considered signing with or was it pretty uh, apparent to you that you were going to nah. end up back in Buffalo. Well, in 96, I was still on my uh, rookie contract. They just approached me to do an extension. And um, so I was never a free agent. I was, they just approached me to do an extension. Oh, okay. So it was an extension contract. signing. Yeah, okay. yeah, it was an extension signing. So they just like, you know, we'll go ahead and lock you up another four years. And um, Were you happy then? 
Oh, yeah, I was very happy. Yeah, I didn't want to go anywhere. So, you know, right, I didn't so- want to go anywhere. I, was, I definitely wanted to be in Buffalo. I love Buffalo, man. It was great. And, um, you know, you know, you know, um, you know, the salaries wasn't real heavy. wasn't really high like they are now, man, which I was playing now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, but, uh, you know, I mean, but it was commiserate to, you know, a corner of my standing at that time and based on, you know, not making a pro bowl or anything like that. So, I mean, it was, um, it was well within the average of the top corners at that time. So now your last game with Buffalo ended up being the Tennessee playoff game, the music city miracle, as it's called by many people today. How much, how hard was it to get over that game? Does it bother you even sometimes to this day thinking about, it? I've talked to a handful of players, you know, they have varying, feelings when they look back at that like what's your thoughts when you look back at that is it hard for you to stomach or are you over it i mean we, i'm i'm hard i was heartbroken that at that time so we had the number one defense in in the league that year i mean pass defense run defense i think it was first and pass i think it was like second or third and run but i know i know we had combination we had the number one defense and we felt we could have um we could have we could have made some um an impact in the playoffs. And, you know, we did. I think we had an up and down carousel with the quarterback position with between Doug and Rob and Doug and Rob. But other than that, you know, we, we had the defense to go to the Super Bowl. And, um, man, I'll never forget that game. I, I don't know what happened, man. But um, I, I think I was reminded of that game again after the Arizona game a couple weeks ago. You know, they lose on the last Hail Mary pass. And I remember we lost on the last kickoff play, which was yeah. like heartbroken, heartbroken. So it's definitely was. Uh, so that brings that brings it up because I was at a Bills bar when I watched the Arizona game. And I was like, dang, <laughs> like man, how they gonna? Oh, I was like, man, that brought back memories of the Tennessee game. And I was like, man, it was just crazy how we just how we lost that with that trick play, man. I just oh my goodness, I still rem- yeah, I definitely still remember it to this day, and. Um, you know, it comes up every now and then if you, you know, run into some players or run into some Bills fans and, you know, they want to know what year you play. And, you know, everybody remember the Music City Miracle. And like, yeah, yeah, I was on the field then. Yep. We shut down Eddie George, shut down the receivers. They had to get us on a trick play, man. It's crazy. Let me, let me say this. I am a fan. I was a fan then. So I cannot compare my anguish to a player who's on the field and, and living it. So I'm not trying to compare it. What I remember most that to this day, if something about that game bothers me, is had had you guys won that game, I think the Bills go to the Super Bowl that year. I truly do because, I again, you had Tennessee beat. Then the following week, Tennessee beat the Colts. And I thought Buffalo was a better team than the Colts. Tennessee won that game, oh, yeah, by, yeah. Won that game by a field goal. And then in the AFC Championship game, uh, Tennessee beat Jacksonville. And again, I think Buffalo was a better football team that year than Jacksonville. I think that was just a wild card game, Buffalo versus Tennessee. But for all intents and purposes, I felt like that was the the AFC Championship game right off the bat. Now, I'm not going to go as far as to say I think the Bills would have beat the Rams, but you never know. But that's what kind of is a fan. And again, I'm not comparing a fan to being a player out there, completely different things here. But just as a fan, that's what kind of hurt my heart, man. I'm like, you know, the Bills, I think the Bills go to their fifth Super Bowl if they win that game. Yeah, I think we'd been a Super Bowl-bound team as well. I yeah. mean, we had very good defense. And, uh, you know, who was playing quarterback, Rob or Doug, you know? You know who's, 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 who should have started that game? You know, this is a question that's been asked a billion times. You're not affiliated with the Bills. You don't work for the Bills. You can be honest about it. I've had I've talked I mean, to Eric Moles. Eric Moles was very honest and said that Doug Flutie should have started the game. And then it was a Ralph Wilson decision that um, Rob Johnson started. Like, what are your thoughts on it? Do you think the Bills, at looking back uh, all these I don't years know. later? I mean, uh, I, I, I really don't know. I think, uh, you know, Doug had, had played an integral role throughout the season and seasons before. I mean, Doug was a playmaker. I mean, he was very exciting to to uh, watch. And he made plays. And um, But, you know, I mean, I would have I went with Doug. But, you know, I think Rob played well enough. I mean, we was winning with, you know, 20-some seconds left. Yeah. Just happened to lose on a 
on a fake uh it's a fair <laughs> it's a very fair point and again right. i am never going to put a knowledge of myself a fan against a, a player who was on this team who knows a million times more football than i'll ever know and you are right that is a very fair point the you the bills were winning on that final kick but at the same token yeah. rob johnson only threw for 131 yards and was yeah. sacked six times where maybe that kick doesn't even matter if Doug Flutie, you know, maybe it doesn't even come yeah, yeah. down to it. So, so. I mean, Doug was a playmaker. I mean, he was definitely a playmaker and probably had the, the, um, had earned the right to start. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Unrelated to you. Okay. In your personal journey here, but I want to get your take on it anyway. So you've been a member of the Buffalo Bills since 1993. So you're there for six, seven years. So I, I, I do want your take shortly before you left Buffalo I mean, it was during the off season, so you you're going to end up ultimately in Chicago, but you're still in Buffalo at the time. Do you remember back on February 10th? Yeah, it was February 10th, 2000. The Bills, all in one swoop, said for various reasons goodbye to Bruce Smith, Thurman Thomas, and Andre Reid all at the same time. I mean, that's literally three Hall of Famers gone at the same time. Like, what do you remember? Do you remember thinking to yourself anything at that time where? The Bills cut ties with all of them, again, for varying reasons. Andre Reid wanted to be released. Thurman had no idea he was getting released. Bruce, it was about, a, you know, purely over money at that point. But, again, three Hall of Famers gone on the same day. You know, what What do, what do you remember about that at that time? Well, I, I remember, um, I think the year before, I think Daryl and Cornelius had left as well. So, um, I think they was... Um, you know, they was getting older and they had drafted, you know, younger players. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I, I know the game. I know the, you know, the NFL is a business. And, um, you know, uh, I didn't expect – because I think Jim had just retired too. So, I think a year ago too. So, I think Jim left. And then Daryl and Canadians was – they left. And then the following year was, you know, Bruce and Thurman and Andre. So, you know, they were, they were Hall of Fame guys. I mean, you know, at, at some point, you know, that's the nature of the business. You, you definitely don't want, want to see your leaders leave like that. But, um, you know, sometimes that's how it works out. And, um, you know, and then I left uh, in free agency. I think a couple other players left. And, you know, I think Buffalo had like a 17-year drought <laughs> making the playoffs after that. 99 season, they hadn't been to the playoffs until like, what, Seven, 17 years they went without being in the playoffs. Now, yeah. when when you became a free agent, like I said, ultimately you went to Chicago. What, what at that time, like, went into your decision to, to part ways with Buffalo and go to Chicago? You know, besides, of course, I'm sure contract had, you know. Well, I mean, they didn't make an offer. So, I mean, it was just, it wasn't that hard. <laughs> you no. know what I'm saying? Buffalo didn't, didn't make an offer. I was recruited. I mean, I wasn't I recruited. I was um you know, uh, being looked at by Chicago and San Diego at the time and Cincinnati. And um, I figured Chicago was going to be an up-and-coming team as well as San Diego. So it was between those two. And um, I visited Chicago first, and uh, pretty much they wouldn't let me leave. So but I offered me a contract. So I was like, let's see what they're talking about. And, uh, you know, they made me offer it. I was like, man. Eh. Yeah. Let's make this happen. <laughs> is it so? And I love the city, though. The city of Chicago is another football town. Again, cold, but a beautiful city, man. I love the city of Chicago. Yeah, for love sure. Rich, rich in tradition, too. Yeah. Now, when you're a football player, whether you play for four years, seven, nine, 15 years, whatever it is, at some point you get to that end of the road. Is it hard for a professional athlete when you know, or at least you suspect at a minimum, maybe you fully know that you've reached the end of the line when it comes to your playing career. Like with you, were, when, it, when, when it came to the end, were you at peace with it quickly? Did, it, did you struggle for a while? Like what was that process like for you? Uh, I struggled for a minute there. I, I remember um, being cut by Chicago. That was my first time being cut. And it was like, whoa, what's, what's going on here? And then, uh, again, San Diego was looking at me, Indianapolis looking at me. Because I was in Chicago, I just kind of stayed close to my home there in Chicago because I had just bought a home there. So I went to Indianapolis. And, um, <clears throat> you know, after getting halfway through the season, 
got cut again right on my birthday at the end of the season. And I just sat down like, man, do I still want to do this? Do I have anything left? Am I motivated? You know, am I, do I want to do this? Because I remember I went to a couple of visits. You know, a couple of teams was working me out. And I really didn't want to sign. I really wanted to go into off season, see if I wanted to work out. And I was about to hire this trainer to work me out and just really focus. And then I was like, you know what? <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> I'm tired. I don't feel like my body don't feel like doing this anymore. And uh, so I was going to give it one more shot. And uh, but then my, my body was like, I'm tired and um, kind of had enough of this uh, being cut stuff. So I was like, I'm just going to just turn it in, turn in the cleats and uh, see what see what else is there for me. Yeah. Now. Would you have, I don't want to ask if you'd have difficulty, would you enjoy playing in today's NFL money aside? Because, of course, any player would like to play when it comes to the money in today's NFL. But the difference between now and when you played in years and decades before you played, social media, everything now is so much more under the microscope than it's ever been before. You know, fans hating on a team or players, that's always been the case. But now... You got keyboard warriors, you know, stuff like that. People on Twitter, like I think back to the nineties and I just imagine how the Buffalo bills with the personalities. And I've gotten to know a couple of the guys a little bit like Thurman and, you know, Andre Reed and, and, and Jim Kelly back in those days and stuff like that. They're very outgoing personalities with Twitter and stuff like that. Just everything under the microscope. Would you enjoy playing football if you had to live like that? Like a lot of these athletes, I think had to live in, in today's society. Um, I think I would. Yeah, of course. I mean, um, I mean, if we, if I came into it, like, you know, from college to the pros like that, you know, I'm really familiar with it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it would be pretty fun. I think it's, I think it's pretty fun. You get a good following and, you know, you get to, you know, express yourself without having to go through the media and, um, you know, you get to create your own brand and, uh, you know, that's a lot of times, you know, that's how you make money outside of football and, uh, sure. you know, start your next career is, you know, by creating yourself as a brand. And that's probably something that, you know, we didn't have a chance to do unless she was a Hall of Fame player like Bruce and Thurman and Jim and all those guys. So they was already had a, you know, a brand. But for the other guys, you know, it's hard to do that unless, you know, you're a Hall of Fame type player. So I, I think it works. It works for the guys that, you know, they play well, but, you know, maybe not Hall of Fame caliber, but, you know, they play well. They have a good following. They can create their brands, their social awareness, any anything they want to, you know, advertise for themselves. They can make it happen without having to do a commercial or use the media, you know. Do you think that you would have uh, – do you think you would have been engaging with, with fans? Like, for an example, on Twitter, if you were playing in the NFL today or, say, if there was Twitter back in the day – when you were playing because, and I see, and again, I'm pretty locked into a lot of the stuff I see in social media and, and just there's great fans and there's idiot fans. Like if you have a bad day at the office and Andre Risen or Marvin Harrison's getting the best of you that day, you know, it's, I don't know if you want to go on Twitter and, and hear what some of these people got to say, like, how would you engage with fans? Would you be able to easily just shut them out? Oh, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of hard to say. I mean, I haven't really engaged in, and had to deal with that. So I don't right. know how the, um, how the engagement would be, you know, I, I would, I mean, I've, I've dealt with, um, fans in public, you know, after a game and, you know, they'd be shouting different stuff, but, uh, you know, sometimes you have a bad day at the office, it happens and, uh, to everybody. And, um, I think I'd, yeah, I'd definitely be able to handle, you know, I'm a, I'm a face to music type guy. So I'm a stand up guy. So, yeah. I think I definitely think I would be able to handle it and uh, engage in that, but you know, I wouldn't get too much back and forth with them, you know? <laughs> right. I hear you. So yeah, tell, yeah. tell fans a little bit what you've been up to. Like, what are you up to nowadays? Um, well, I left the uh, NFL. I was pretty much an entrepreneur for the, for the last man, 20 years from uh, mortgage bank, trucking company, uh, real estate company, property management company. My last adventure was uh, I was doing property management. I had I had purchased a uh, a franchise, 
property management franchise, actually two of them. And uh, I was doing it in Maryland and in Virginia. And, uh, you know, I was doing well until, well, one of them was doing well. And then the one of them wasn't doing well and I had to close that one. And then I sold the other one and um, to my partner at the time. And um, I finished up my MBA because NFL has this program. And, uh, and I was able to get my MBA in Indiana. So I had finished that up in 2019 and um, Amazon. I'm working with Amazon now. After I finished my MBA, so I'm an operations manager with Amazon currently. And uh, I was in Baltimore and I uh, had this opportunity to uh, launch this new um, delivery station in uh, South Florida. And I was, they was like, you want to go to South Florida to help launch this building? I was like, yeah, when do I leave? So, <laughs> <laughs> so this is where I'm at now. So I'm in South Florida working with Amazon at the AMZL location here in Pompano Beach. And uh, loving life, and uh, life is good, man, you know? Yes, for sure. Life is good. Life is really good. So, Before we wrap up with the fun fact finale, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here. You've played against a bunch of them, but if you had to pick one, you've probably been asked this many times, who's the best wide receiver that you've ever lined up against? <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, I've been asked that so many times. You just... <laughs> Have a card, have a card printed up. Like, yo, here you go. <laughs> oh man, um, I guess as far as all around receiver, you know, size, speed, uh, hands, uh, tenacity. Uh, I would have to go with Terrell Owens. You know, he was, you know, we was bump and run type of defense. You know, we play a lot of man. You know, we was up in the receiver's face one-on-one, <laughs> and he was one. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He was a good battle. He was definitely a good battle. And just as far as all around, speed, size, hands, aggressiveness, uh, tenacity, strength, um, and player, you know, I would say Terrell Owens. But, you know, play against a lot of good ones, you know, Randy sure. Moss and Chris Carter, uh, Marvin, uh, even played against Jerry a couple of times, but I guess he was on the um, on the twilight of his career, but, you know, still had a chance to play against him a couple of times. And, um, but yeah, um, yeah, I would definitely go with uh, Terrell Owens on that. All right. So here's what we're going to do. Fun fact finale. I do this with all my guests. I'm just going to ask you a handful of like kind of random fun questions. Not a lot of deep thought required. Whatever the first thing that pops in your mind, that'll be the answer. Couple of these you might have to think out for a few seconds, but whatever. It is what it is. You good to go? Oh, okay. <laughs> your favorite all time athlete. Don't have to be a football player, just your favorite all time athlete. Oh, Michael Jordan. Okay. Favorite city that you can remember visiting? Like what's a city that you love to visit? It was Miami, but man, I stay here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, I would say Atlanta, Atlanta. Okay. Atlanta was ATL was one of my favorite cities to visit. Yeah, Atlanta was one of my favorite cities. I used to man stay in Atlanta. Oh my god! What is your go to snack? Go to snack? Yeah, something you love now snack. or back then? No. Oh, now um, what is my go to snack? Uh, shoot, potato chips. <laughs> okay, yeah, can't go wrong with those. <laughs> Yeah. What, what movie have you probably rewatched more than any other movie? Uh, Friday. Friday. Okay. What's your favorite TV show? It could be something current. It could be something from the past. Just your favorite TV show ever that you love watching. Uh, I really don't watch TV, but if I had to pick one that I do watch a lot was uh, Shark Tank. Okay. What would you call, call yourself out here. What, what's your worst habit? My worst habit? Yeah. At least one that you're willing to share anyway. <laughs> Oh, man. Too many shots of Jack Daniels. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. I like that. Who says that's a bad habit? I think it's one of your better, it's one of your better habits, man. <laughs> no, nah, man, because that, that could get crazy, man. That makes for a really interesting night when I get that Jack Daniels. And I want to thank Bruce and Thurman and Daryl for that. Hey, I do have one. I do got to give you one story, though. That oh, please gotta, go ahead. Gotta, go ahead. You got to you gotta listen to this. I remember I was a rookie, and, uh, you know, I hadn't 
you know, I did get my signing bonuses, but I haven't really bought any cars or anything. So I remember I first get there in town, and I run into Daryl Talley. And uh, Daryl had this beautiful Porsche, red Porsche. I said, Daryl, man, let me use your car. He said, all right, cool. And uh, so I used his car, and I was driving around town, and I was pulling up to the to go, go to the ATM. And he had these flares, these flares that was on his car, and I scratched it. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> That's how crazy Daryl was, man. I was like, Oh crap, man! I scratched his Porsche. Oh my god! So I come back to him to drop it off. I was like, um, he's like, what? He's like, what? He's like, uh, I'm like, Daryl, man, I scratched your car. <laughs> he's like, what? <laughs> and he looked at it. He's like, oh man, don't worry about it. You're first rounder. You can pay for it, man. I was scared. <laughs> I was scared. <laughs> I was scared, man. He's like, ah. Oh, Man, I ain't worried about that, man. You can pay for it. Ended up costing me like three grand for this freaking scratch. <laughs> that, is, <laughs> that is so funny. Oh, I, I talked to I talked to his wife, friends with her on Twitter all the time. I'm gonna make sure that Daryl here here's that story, that anecdote. That's oh, yeah, I'll tell him about he know about it because I uh <laughs> I just saw him like uh maybe a month ago. They had a Bill's tailgate party here when he was playing the Dolphins, and uh I think he came he came up. And uh, yeah, man, he, he knows about that story. Yeah, ask him. <laughs> <He knows about>. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's knock these last couple off here. Uh, name a TV game show that you feel like if you were on it, you could potentially dominate. It's something that's current, something from the past, like a TV game show you think you'd be good at. Family Feud. Family Feud. Okay. Let's say instead of taping this right now, you know, you're on your cell phone, we're on different sides of the state. Let's just say we were having a drink. How about Jack Daniels? And we're at a bar somewhere. And I talk you into getting up there. There's karaoke going on. And I somehow con you up to get up there and perform something. Like, what song, if you're going to do a karaoke song, would you perform? Oh, man, I don't know that one. I know I got some, <laughs> I know I got some, some footage out there of a karaoke that I did with this guy. Hope you don't, hope you don't listen and put it out there. <laughs> I did karaoke in Buffalo with this guy. I was drunk. What'd you say? the song we done. Do you remember what you sang? Nah, I don't remember the song, but uh, if, I, if I did karaoke, what words do I know the song? If I did, oh man, what word, what song do I know the words to uh, right now? That's an 80s, 90s song. Um, well, they have the monitor too, but I don't know what I was saying. All right. I really don't. <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> what I is really a, two, two more here. What's a fun fact about you that maybe most people don't know? Fun fact that they don't know. Oh man! Oh, I just gave you the fun fact about the Daratelli. Yeah, <laughs> that should count for two questions right there for sure. But uh, let me see. Let me hold on. Let me think of what's another good fun fact. A good fun fact. Um, I don't know. Ask the last one, then I come back to that. All right. Well, this last one is the traditional one. I always ask this. You might have to talk this through. It'll be an exercise for yourself. But if you could have three celebrity, historical figures, don't matter anybody, any point in time ever at your house for dinner and a drink or whatever, just sitting at the table with you, you and three other people and having a drink, some food, some conversation, whatever, some laughs, whatever kind of vibe you want going on. You could have three celebrities or historical figures, whoever at your table, like tonight, who would those people be? Name three. Oh man, I like to party with Jamie Foxx. Okay. <laughs> Uh, Holly Berry. Oh, good one. And um, who was? Because I like to have fun, so I know Jamie is funny. Uh, Holly Berry, and uh, let's see. Yeah, I would, I would like to play some cards with Mike. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> play some poker. I like that. All right, one more chance. I'm gonna give you one more chance to come back to a, a fun fact besides messing up Daryl's car. <laughs> A fun fact, fun fact, fun fact. Oh, man. Something you've done, something you're good at that maybe the average person who only knows you casually doesn't know about you. Oh, man. Well, I mean, uh, other than I was dunking in the ninth grade. Were you really? Yeah, I started dunking in the ninth grade. I was... And uh, I used to play basketball all the time. I thought I was going to be an NBA player. I really did. I wanted to play in the NBA, but I just... For some reason, I just didn't. I should have practiced more on my dribbling, but um, yeah, I started dunking. I was when I was dunking, 
I remember my first, I first dumped on somebody in high school, man. It was so fun, man. <laughs> I just started trying to go for steals all the time so I could dunk. <laughs> I just loved to dunk. I used to do, I used to do all Michael Jordan dunks. Yeah. I jumped from the, I tried the, uh, you know, the come fly with me one, jumping from the um, free throw line. I did the one from the baseline. Oh man, I, I, I was a Michael junk. Michael Jordan junkie, man. I did all his dunks. I was yeah. too, but I couldn't dunk. So, yeah. So, fun fact is, I started dunking in the ninth grade, and uh, I remember when I first started. I was, I was playing JV basketball. <laughs> man, I was dunking to practice, man. It was like, wow. So, when you were that age, if you had your choice, you would have rather been in the NBA than the NFL. No, I just thought out. You know, I just love sports. You know, I was. Um, I was a big sports guy, and I remember all the time watching sports with my father. You know, every Sunday we watched sports. That was probably the only day that, you know, we had a chance to to sit down. We always go to church. We always have Sunday dinner, and we always watch football or basketball, whatever season it was. Yeah. That was the routine, you know? Yeah. And uh, Sunday was the only day we really just, like, had a chance to just sit down and just, like, you know, just relax and watch TV. Yeah. All right, everyone, give Thomas a follow on Twitter at TYTCover28. Listen, man, I'm sure, I I know it, Buffalo Bills fans don't hear from you all that much, and I'm positive that they're really going to enjoy this long-form chat with Thomas Smith, a great former Buffalo Bill. Thomas, thanks for so much for doing the podcast, man. I really appreciate you. All right, folks, that is going to do it for today's show. Very big thank you again. Former Buffalo Bills great Thomas Smith. Always love having former Bills on this podcast whenever possible. And Thomas Smith, one of my favorite players from the 90s. I was very much looking forward to this interview, and he definitely did not disappoint. So thank you again very much, Thomas Smith. Guys, girls, if you have not yet subscribed to this podcast, Please go ahead and do that right now. Subscribe, rate and review. It takes maybe 20, 30 seconds at the most to do. And it really, truly helps me continue to grow the show. Of course, we're available on all the major podcasting platforms out there. Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, all of them. Again, subscribe. Also, check out us on YouTube. Talk about Buffalo Podcast YouTube channel. Got some highlight clips up some original content that'll be coming pretty soon to that page. Then, of course, last but not least, follow me on Twitter at Pamoran Tweets. I am constantly on my Twitter putting up promos, podcasting updates, guests, jokes, bad jokes probably, a lot of sports takes, just fun banner with people who follow me on Twitter. It's my favorite spot to be on social media. I'm there all the time. So again, at Pamoran Tweets, thank you so so much for listening i end the podcast every single time the same way and that's by thanking you because i just i know how many shows there are out there and competition is pretty fierce frankly and when you're locked into this one and giving me feedback whether it's for 60 minutes 75 minutes whatever it may be i'm just it doesn't go lost on me i'm very very humble and appreciative so that's so thank you very very much have a good safe weekend Buffalo Bills play next Monday night against the San Francisco 49ers. We'll be talking about it next week.